Well, here's a tidbit for you, and, uh, and I'll leave you with this. But mm-hmm. uh, if you check out the end credits music for every episode of Better Call Saul, it's a, a reimagined version of... You're listening to nothing important. Please enjoy the show. This is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my pizza delivery guy, Dave. Dave, how's it going today? I fell asleep with my glasses on last night. You fell asleep with your glasses on? Yeah, that's dangerous, man. Did, did you wake up and they were all wonky? And No, I woke up and I couldn't find them. They were like wrapped up in my blanket. Oh. <laughs> I was like tossing and turning all over those bad boys. These $39 glasses from Zenny Optical. If you work for Zenny Optical and you want to sponsor the Nothing Important Podcast, I'm a big fan of your product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, make sure you check out our sponsor, the West Coast Project. Super cool dude, Mike. He chats with his co-host just about any TV show that you're watching. He also has his brand new pop culture uh, general podcast called Scathing Tweets. You can find him at uh, www.westcoastproject.com. You can also find him on Twitter at, at Scathing Tweets. Super cool dude. Always been nice to us, and we can't wait to have him back on Nothing Important, and it's all good, man. That's right. All killer, no filler. Yep, and speaking of which, if you are watching Better Call Saul, Dave and I have the number one fan-made Better Call Saul podcast. (laughs) It is the better Better Call Saul podcast called It's All Good, Man. It's a bold statement, my friend. Hey, I stand by it. Yeah, I do. We have uh, many of the interviews that you've heard on Nothing Important podcast are on there, but it's also our discussion that gets posted right after the show. A great community, lots and lots of participation, and we would like to have you Nothing Important listeners in on that as well. That's right. Come join the party. Come join the party. You know what we got later in this episode? What's that, Dave? When you made me fly solo on an interview. Oh, yeah, that's right. Coming (laughs) up, we have our interview with Dave Porter. He's the uh, sound, or he's the composer. He's the composer for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and The Blacklist and... The brand new 30 for 30 documentary featuring the 85 Bears, which most of our listeners are probably super excited about. Yeah, totally. He, he composed the music for that, too. Yeah, 30 for 30, that's a big deal. I haven't seen any of it, but like everybody talks about how amazing that series is. Yeah, they basically, they're getting the best directors around to do a bunch of sports documentaries, and I haven't seen one that I didn't like yet, honestly. Awesome. Yeah. And Dave Porter did the Chicago Bears, which and means a the, lot to us being uh, in Chicago. That's right, being born around that time. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of the greatest, most hyped up, can't let it go sports teams in history. Oh my God. And the thing about living in Chicago to this day, you'll still hear, you'll still hear radio endorsements by, it'll be like the third string, third (laughs) string left guard of the Chicago, of the 1985 Chicago bears. (laughs) And they'll still be doing like car dealership and pizza commercials. They'll be like, hi, I'm. Tom Smith from the 1985 (laughs) Chicago bears. Well, they, they were talking, I read something where, uh, I think it was actually Tom Thayer on the radio. He does the Bears uh, color analysis for mm-hmm. football games. And they're talking about, you know, how they partied and all the egos and stuff. And he's like, dude, our third string quarterback had a radio show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but to this day, I mean, shit, over 20 years now. And 30, 
30, 30. Years, it's the 30 this was the 30th anniversary oh of that my god Super Bowl 30 year. years 30 years and we can't let it die that's okay i mean that's a uh, chicago's thing though right like I'm not yep. a sports guy myself, but Chicago loves its sports team. Oh yeah, and and uh, and this year it's it's kind of a interesting situation because the Bulls' 72 and 10 record is uh is being sought after by the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. and that's one of, that's the greatest basketball record of all time, and it could get broke this year. Really? Yes. Well, then what will people in Chicago talk? Chicago about? will burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago when the White Sox won the uh, the World Series. Oh, yeah. I, I was I was in college and working at a pizza place at uh, Illinois State University in mm-hmm. Bloomington, Illinois. Actually, normal Illinois, but it's Bloomington, whatever. The Blue and, Norms, uh, the Normingtons. Yeah, and I, I was delivering pizza. I was at a stoplight, and apparently, I knew that the Sox had won because from the time I pulled up to the intersection till the light, time that the light turned green. Hundreds of people in the intersection, and I got stuck there. And <laughs> and I was like, I am not sitting in this car while all this is happening. So I grabbed the money bag from the pizza place, put it in my pocket. I literally shut off my truck, locked the door, and got out of my truck and stood in the bed of my truck. Because I was like, if they're going to flip my car or something, there is no way in hell that I'm going to be in the cab of this thing. Especially since it was like an S10, yeah. which was like a Cavalier. Like, it's if you could Cavalier take a Cavalier, trucks. it's the Cavalier of trucks. Like, if you took my... If you took like if you a took Chevy like a go kart frame, huh? If you took like a go kart frame, right? Put and, a put a tiny little cab and a bed on it. Yeah, that that was my Chevy S10, <laughs> first car I ever owned. But uh, it's just absolutely insane. So that that's cool that uh, that's cool that Dave Porter did the uh, the thirty for thirty with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, to come back to the original topic. Yes, that was very <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> very cool. So um, so once again, this is going to be another Better Call Saul centric uh, interview that we're putting on the Nothing Important podcast, and the reason that we're doing that is because time uh, is because why <laughs> we don't have time to do a whole bunch of interviews. Well, <laughs> and not only that, we're we're just really into Better Call Saul, and the people at AMC and the cast of Better Call Saul has treated us so nicely. The least we can do a few times a year is is promote the show. It's a great show. And uh, I'll let you in on a little secret, folks. Dave and I have actually seen the first two episodes, and I think this is going to be the year where it really starts establishing itself as its own thing. Like, it's obvious that it's in the Breaking Bad universe, right? but from the episodes that Dave and I already saw, uh, it started to expand Saul's, or Jimmy McGill's universe. Right. All, to- all I can say is that... Um- Professor Plum did it in the conservatory with the candlestick. It's always the candlestick. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So check out a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back with fake outrage of the week, and then it'll be Dave's chat with Dave Porter, composer from Better Call Saul. This episode of Nothing Important is brought to you by First Base and Beyond, the hilarious new book that defines the bases and expands the baseball metaphor for getting laid. A perfect gift for the holidays, bachelor parties, or just to have around to settle debates. Ever wonder what getting to third base really means? Get First Base and Beyond by going to www.firstbaseandbeyond.com. That's firstbaseandbeyond.com. Some of the proceeds also go to Save the Tatas. Firstbaseandbeyond.com. Copywritten by Brian of the Nothing Important Podcast. Like your food with a little extra kick? Try Cuban Sriracha Hot Sauce by the Pepper Jelly Company out of Miami, Florida. 
Cuban sriracha is an artisan sriracha with a Cuban flair will spice up any dish. A family recipe passed down from the Diaz family right to yours. You can taste the tradition and the heat. Pick up your bottle of Pepper Jelly Company's Cuban Sriracha at www.pepperjellycompany.com. That's www.pepperjellycompany.com. And now, the fake outrage of the week. Have you seen the uh, Triumph the Comic Dog take on the pretentious kids from... Like New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, why don't you give a little insight to it for somebody who, uh, for somebody listening that might not have seen it? Basically, if you don't know who Triumph the Insult Comic Dog is, it's a character Robert Schmeigel does. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically just insults people. I mean, it's awesome. It's it's so right. un-PC. The whole point is to not be PC and shove it in your face. Right. But he does it through a dog puppet, mm-hmm. so you can't be mad. Right, yeah, because right. <laughs> the, the whole absurdity of the situation is that you right. know, like it, it disarms a lot of the yeah, I mean, a lot it, of who, the sting. Who's gonna yell at a hand puppet? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> so yeah, he just basically has a conversation with these kids about you know trigger warnings and mm-hmm. microaggressions, right? And all this PC crap, and then they bring in a special guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who is a very, very large black dude with an afro that kind of talks like a fag. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I would describe him. Right. So he has a little conversation and leaves. And then they bring in a police sketch artist. Mm-hmm. And they have these kids describe the guy to the police sketch artist. Mm-hmm. And then when they're done, they bring the guy, the subject back and tell him to his face what they told the police sketch artist. Right. And the and what thing what that, the beauty of it is, is that the kids tried to be so, they tried to be so non-offensive that it actually ended up being super offensive, super offensive. Yeah. Because Cause you're, you're so, avo- you're trying so hard to avoid pissing somebody off that you just piss them off. Cause mm-hmm. then you're not being real with that person. Right. And respect is, comes out of being real. Right. And it's all that really matters. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. And the only thing I could take away from the whole experiment was, uh, there's no safe spaces in the real world. There isn't. You know, you're you're gonna piss people off. You're gonna make people mad, and that's that's one of the things in my line of work that I've struggled with. I talked about it before. I had three, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, them three subordinates who were totally safe spacers. That's gonna be my <laughs> new thing. And uh, anything, like anything in the world that I would mention would would be offensive. It's a trigger warning. Yeah. Or no, it's a, it's a trigger word because mm-hmm. a trigger warning is a disclaimer you would put in front of such a video, right? Which is you got to see this video, this triumph. We'll we should put a link to it on the website or something. Yeah, we'll throw it up there. It is ridiculously awesome. It is, in my opinion, yeah. because these punk ass bitches need to be called out on their bullshit sometimes. Right, exactly. And see, here's the thing about um about like because PC is a big conversation right now with the current um presidential race in the united states and such and my thing about it is is there's there's a difference between trying not to upset somebody and using and and anticipating being upset so you use it to shut people up Mm. you know what i mean elaborate on that please well like for example in an attempt to shut people up say like if i were to say well let's use uh well i mean any number of examples so like like it could be offensive. Like if I just described somebody as black, uh-huh. right, and I say, "Wow, that black guy's kind of loud." I'm not saying that guy's loud because he's black. Right. I'm saying that black guy, as a description, because he's different than me, or I need to identify him as being loud, which right. is obnoxious, right? 
But I know people that would misconstrue that as like, oh, you're just saying that black person is loud because you're racist. Because why? Black people are loud. Yeah. So what they try to do is they try to <laughs> shut you up mm-hmm. from from saying anything like that again. Like even using the descriptor of black people and like who gives a shit, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of different people out there and, uh, right. and, and you can describe an unfavorable behavior without tying it to their identity with who they are as a person. Exactly. But I feel that a lot of people nowadays go overboard and automatically make that connection in an attempt to shut people up and to further their point of view, because they're so afraid of a confrontation. Mm hmm. And everybody's so non-confrontational, which well, I, I, I think, it's you know, I'm an extremely non-confrontational right. person, but I don't see those things as like starting conflicts. Like if I walk through a room and someone's like, hey, look at that big fat white dude. I'm like, yeah, that's you described me. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just a really weird world that we live in right now where everybody's looking to be offended and, you know, not everything. Well, I, I wonder how much of this is prevalent on college campuses, and this is what the youth of America really feels, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, I remember my, one of my favorite movies is PCU, mm-hmm. which is like Jeremy Piven's, Jeremy Piven's breakout role. I love mm-hmm. me some talkie actors. Yeah. And uh, it's all about how things were becoming PC. Back in 1992, this movie came out. Yeah. And it's so ridiculously tame, mm-hmm. but it was almost kind of cutting edge at the time. Right. You know, the satire of all the political groups, the, the feminists right. and the women with the Y and all that bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, here we are 24 years later, and it's only getting worse. Right. And, you know, and people like to ascribe hate to people. All the, Like, hate is probably one of the most overused words nowadays i try not to use it because i'm one of those people that doesn't like to use things till it becomes cliche Mm -hmm. you know like if i say hate i want to mean it right yeah like um like to further my point like uh like gay marriage all right apparently you know that was like a big deal Uh, i believe that would be a homosexual union ceremony brian right (laughs) but what i didn't like about that is is uh right like me personally i don't care it it, it literally affects me zero. you want to be miserable like the rest of us go ahead yeah <laughs> like that lame joke but like say say i had somebody who just honestly believed that gay people shouldn't get married right mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they hate gay people right or they're trying to take away gay people's right it just means that person doesn't believe they shouldn't get married until that person starts like acting on that and like violently assaulting people you mm-hmm. know what i mean like that's not hate. It's just he personally doesn't believe that. And then the here's the correct response for all this shit. Okay. Like, just accept other people's right. fucking point of views. Like, right. the whole thing about tolerance is you're supposed to tolerate other people's point of views. It's not that you're supposed to force them to tolerate your point of view and engage in it. Exactly. Like, you can't be tolerant of somebody else, but they'll be you'll be goddamned if they can't tolerate your point of view. Right. Like, exactly. Who the fuck are you, Mr. Special? Right. Like, personally, I, I would think that's silly. Like, if somebody really had an issue with gay people getting married, I would find that like a silly stance, right? Right. But, but they're entitled to think that way. Right. That doesn't make me think that that person is some sort of bigot, you know? Like right. maybe I'm, just, I'm not going to be friends with that person, and I may tell that person like I disagree with you. Right. But but I'm not going to attack that person for that point of view. Right. You know, maybe like, it'll okay, lead well, to a discussion, and it could lead to an awesome discussion if people were just not being dicks about it. Right. Or just drop it there and be like, "Oh, that's your point of view. Cool." That, that's pretty much how I treat everything. Like, "Dave, what what do I do anytime somebody tries to bring up politics?" Usually make a joke and then I move on. Subject, right? 
Because, like, I don't agree with them. But just because somebody doesn't agree with me, I'm not like, oh, that guy's a fucking retard. Like, what's that idiot's thing? I'm just like, right. oh, cool. I was at Jam Night the other day when Bernie Sanders swept the New Hampshire primary or mm -hmm. Massachusetts, whatever. So I didn't pay attention to politics. But right. somebody, the MC was so excited. He announced it to the whole room. And, oh, Bernie won, this and that. And he came up to me. He's like, Dave, Bernie won. And I just went, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't right follow on. it. So what? You know, I may disagree with him, but I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's your opinion. That's like your opinion, man. Yep. So I guess to sum it up, my feelings are uh, don't be a dick and don't always assume that somebody else is being a dick. Rule number one, man. Rule number one is don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> this was the fake outrage of the week. Hey, coffee drinkers. Why are you standing in line paying way too much for fast food coffee? Get yourself some real coffee from Tugboat Coffee. Tugboat Coffee is real, direct trade, specialty coffee, roasted by master roaster and founder, Eric Barkley. I know he does it. I've seen him myself. No more paying $20 for a shot of espresso and a bunch of sugar milk. Get real artisan coffee at www.tugboatcoffee.com. That's www.tugboatcoffee.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Someone Important Hotline, we have ASCAP Composer's Choice winner, Best Television Composer of 2013, Dave Porter, who does the music for Better Call Saul. Welcome, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice to be here. So the first thing that I want to mention, actually, is, the, uh, is Brian Cranston saying that you worked on Breaking Bad and your music was like another character. And honestly, yeah. I think that's probably one of the coolest compliments that you can get from um, someone involved in your show. Yes, not to mention a, a, a however many time Emmy winner he was. So yes, no, very, uh, very kind words from uh, Mr. Cranston. And uh, he's uh, uh, quite a gentleman. And uh, obviously, the Breaking Bad would not be Breaking Bad without him. Uh, but, uh, but I was very, so amazingly fortunate and, and thrilled to, uh, be a part of that experience with him. And the, uh, the ASCAP award, that would be from like season five of Breaking Bad? Yeah. So that was, uh, a new award that they, they recently instituted for, for ASCAP members. And for, for those who don't know, ASCAP is not exactly a union, but it's a performing rights society that uh, many uh, composers belong to, uh, and it's a pure chosen award uh, for, uh, for among us television and film composers. So it was very, very nice and very humbling to have my uh, my fellow compatriot composers uh, around the country uh, deign that uh, my work on. Uh, on the end of Breaking Bad, and uh, by that time I had also begun work on the Blacklist. Uh, so that was uh, that was all wrapped up in that. But I was very, very, very honored by that. Yeah, that would to me that would be more a meaningful award to something coming from your peers instead of like a, a society or an academy or something. Exactly. I mean, these are people who know what it takes. Right. To do what we do, and and the hours, and the and all of the. Uh, the the less pretty parts <laughs> of the of the job yeah, were, <laughs> of which there are of which there are many <laughs> i would say that they're probably more critical too because they know what the standards are and how difficult it is to meet the professional standards of production and music and stuff 
I think so. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, and I think that uh, they also understand better than anyone else that my job is very much a collaborative one. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, you know, composers for film and TV uh, don't just run out there and do whatever they want to do. That's that's not the point of the job. The, the point of the job is to uh, work in concert with the director or the showrunner of whatever you're working on to bring their vision to life. Right. And so it, it, yeah, your your ego has to take a back seat a lot of the time. Uh, and uh, and you really you are there to be in service of of the greater good, which is to create hopefully um, you know some some sort of memorable piece of entertainment that, uh, that, uh, you know, fires on all cylinders. Well, I would imagine that for the most part, the, the music is there to kind of drive the script, to, to create the mood, the environment, audio environment of the story. Um, has there been any times where maybe you've come up with something in the score or something that, that triggers something in the writers or the producers or something that says, wait a minute, maybe we should adjust something. Cause this is just kind of going a certain direction. And I like it. Hmm, this is a really good question. I would say probably not in the short term, mm. uh, because for I would one imagine thing, that's more difficult. Yeah, yeah. Composers are last in the process. We're we're sort of the 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 cherry on the cake mm. on, the, on the ice cream sundae, uh, and just in terms of the process of how a television show gets made. Uh, I mean, certainly there are some times when, um, for example. Uh, a composer can craft some great piece of music, uh, and then that needs to end a certain way and they can change the edit, you know, close to the end to make sure it hits just perfectly Mm -hmm. in tempo or something like that. That happens sometimes. Um, but, uh, but most of the time we're adhering to what's, you know, what's already been done. It's a sort of our job to, um, to reinforce the great work of the actors and the script writers and the editors and all the people who've come before us in the, in the process. Uh, but I will say there's sometimes too, for example, um, you know, Vince Gilligan, for example, is, is uh, always super open to everybody's ideas, which is so cool. And I've definitely, definitely, you know, showed him things in advance and said, Hey, here's something that can be done just to keep in your brain uh, for next season or two seasons from now, uh, in, in the thought that, uh, you know, maybe this is a germ of an idea that you guys can, can run with, uh, and down the road. And that's always fun too. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that really taps into, I don't know, it kind of motivates you a little bit, I guess. And it's to, to feel that you are appreciated because everyone speaks, we've interviewed a lot of the actors so far and, um, mm-hmm. everyone speaks so highly of the production team that they're just these great people and they're, they're so nice and they're, they're kind of writing it as it goes. So nothing's really set in stone to where the story is going to be other than the fact that as far as better call Saul is that he's going to be Saul Goodman and meet Walter White. But uh, right. yeah, they're just so open and just it's, and everyone is so excited to work on both shows and they kept a lot of the same crew as the music yes. department also no, still mostly the same crew. It's entirely the same. Yeah. No one, no one has changed at all. So, uh, you know, the music supervisor, Thomas Golovich, who chooses the licensed music that, you know, the, the pre-existing music for mm-hmm. the show is still with us. Our music editor, Jason Newman. So yeah, it's, it's entirely the same team. And, and it was, it was particularly, uh, bizarre at times in, in the first season, especially better call Saul, um, sitting in our meetings because it, it, it really just felt like, Breaking Bad season six. 
And we're looking around. I mean, they had some newer, swankier offices. <laughs> but but other than that, it was all the same faces. Uh, and like in you, truth, that was one of that was one of the big difficulties uh, creatively for for many of us um, to not continue jumping into Better Call Saul. To like difficult uh, to create its own thing. Yeah, exactly. Because you had you know we had we were the same team, and and in part that's a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Because we know each other so well, and we know how we work together, and and all those things. But at the same time, it made it that much harder to break the mold right. of how we had been working, uh, and uh, and that was tough. And and to their credit, Vince and and Peter Gould, the the co creator of Saul, uh, were really adamant that it was going to be a different show, hmm. and uh, and we really had to you know take a step back and really rethink. Uh, a lot of creative ways in which we worked and, and it was hard because in all honesty, you know, those were creative avenues that we'd explored on breaking bad that not for nothing had been pretty successful. So, (laughs) so so throw those concepts away at times was, was very difficult. Uh, but, but ultimately has been very rewarding and, and that I hope people feel like, while there's a you know some continuity in how better call soft feels and sounds um that it is very much its own animal yeah that is that's been a pretty uh common sentiment about the show is that it's, it's it feels like it's in the same universe it feels mm-hmm. like yeah continuity and consistent yet it's it's totally its own thing you don't even need to know anything about breaking bad to appreciate better call Saul, which True, to me is right. like, it's a mark of success um one question I've been dying to ask you, honestly, is with the theme song. And that yes. is, you composed the theme song, correct? For Better Call Saul? For Better Call Saul, yes. I actually did not. Ah. <laughs> so that, that may temper your question. <laughs> well, it's, it's about how the theme song cuts off the last beat. Yes. It, it drives me insane because when I yes. cut off the last beat, I made a mistake. And when you, know, right. you guys do it, it's art. But uh, <laughs> but I really was wondering was that was that your decision was that a stylistic choice or is that a horrible edit that seemed to work out? No, it was very much a choice, uh, and it was a choice even before we had uh, that piece of music that ultimately became the main title music. Hmm. Um, we had a lot of lot of you know back and forth about this. It's always a very tough decision coming up with main title music and right. uh, I submitted I mis- submitted a lot of options and uh, a lot of other artists submitted options and uh but one thing that they had in mind all along um was visually they were going to go with that um that super super lo-fi looking <laughs> uh you know early video yeah. uh look to it uh, and also that it was going to do this bizarre uh sort of en- ending abruptly thing and uh and because it was going to be short for one thing mm-hmm. uh and because we we knew that the main titles would also be short even shorter than breaking bad let's say and breaking bad's pretty short but it, it resolves and kind of exactly it, it's, it, it and, is, it's and, a totally different feel going into the episode out of the theme it is no it is it's really it's really quite something and 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 to be honest one of the reasons to to do the abrupt cutoff is purely a practical one if you have a piece of music that needs to resolve, as you say, then you've got to have several seconds worth of that time of your right. of your uh, opening titles uh, just dedicated to that hold and that resolution on that last note. Uh, and with so little time to play with, 
this was a way to sort of squeeze in more melodic information uh, and then have it end, as you say, abruptly. And the trick of it is, as always been, I think with, with any, any kind of bold or crazy idea like that, <laughs> Is, is to make it real clear you intended to do it. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, otherwise it just sounds like a mistake. Right. And uh, and hopefully, you know, and that worked better on with some pieces of music than others. Uh, and in this little particular piece of music, which was written by this band out of the UK called uh, Little Barry, I believe, um, they, it just happened to fall so nicely at, yeah. at, in the end. So, the, so it feels like you get a, a complete... Uh, uh, guitar lick in there, and then it and, it, and then it cuts off uh, in a way that's strangely satisfying and yet unsatisfying. I was just going to say time. that's exactly what I was going to say. It's almost like it's satisfying, but it, it leaves you wanting more. Which yep. obviously, in any form of sales, you want to leave them wanting more. You know, don't give them everything up front. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, especially especially in TV, you gotta keep folks uh keep folks in their seats with so many other options out there yeah and then i've noticed um that i've noticed that uh the abrupt endings to things seems more prevalent and as a whole in general in better call Saul than it does in breaking bad unless i'm misremembering uh-huh. things but it's it's almost as i mentioned it to, to my brother i'll get together with my brother to watch the show a lot of times and sure. uh he's like ever since you mentioned that things cut off short it's been driving me crazy <laughs> I was like, but it's a genius I, move. That is definitely a stylistic choice the, and something that we do far more often on, on Saul than we did on Breaking Bad. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Are you a sports fan? <laughs> I, I am a sports fan, uh, but I did not watch the Super Bowl. Wah, wah. Oh, good. Uh, I, caught a, I caught about 10 minutes of it. I watched uh, a poor, uh, I don't even remember which side it was. I think it was a Broncos kicker. Uh, the Smack mis- a field goal right into the upright, which you never see. Oh, uh, the Panthers which kicker. I thought was, yeah, the Panthers <laughs> kicker did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was sort of, and I caught a few commercials, and then and I had to go. I have uh, two small kids huh. uh, who uh, don't have a lot of patience yet for watching football, and uh, <laughs> and also uh, uh, I've been you know working a lot of weekends right now. Uh, we're uh, uh, sort of coming down the home stretch on Better Call Saul. I'm working on episodes uh, seven and eight. Oh, nice! Out of ten. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're getting into into some 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 great meaty stuff here, and, and it's a lot of lot of work. Do you have a lot of the, Do you have a lot of like extra work, like extra features, uh, web content, stuff like that? Does that that keep you busy in the off season, or do you? I know you're doing two shows. You do two shows right now with the Black. Yeah, so uh, well, it's it's funny, you know. It used to be that the TV schedules were were very static, and you always knew when TV TV would be going. And TV composers kind of worked in a school schedule, starting in you know end of August and ending in May, and then you know had some time off in the summer to try to fill with some other things. Uh, and that's the case with my my network show, my NBC show, The Blacklist, uh, which kind of runs continually from from August to May. Uh, but the cable shows now just they they go into production whenever they can, and it's kind of all over the place. Um, I've did um, last year at this time I was doing a a show for Stars called Flesh and Bone, hmm. which actually just finished airing in in, in the autumn. Uh, and so now I've been on Saul since early December and uh, well, that will take me into early March 
Uh, I have another show um, that uh, I uh, haven't announced yet, so I can't tell you what it is. But <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> st- starting starting uh, a little later in the spring, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and actually, yeah, but yeah, I'm always doing you know some smaller projects here and there where I have um, time to to fill them in. Actually, maybe of interest to you, uh, being close to uh, the Chicago area, and perhaps it sounds like a football fan. Um, <laughs> I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a Bears sweatshirt right now. <laughs> did a uh, a thirty for thirty ESPN documentary on the uh, 1985 Bears. You did the 85 Bears thirty for thirty. Uh, I did, yeah. Oh, I haven't so, seen it yet. Uh, that, I'm dying for it to come to Netflix. I'm a ca- I'm a cord cutter, so I got it. cable. Got it. Yeah, so you'll have to wait uh, yeah, until you can get ESPN some other way. But. I think the Bills one was only a couple weeks after it aired to hit Netflix. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm dying to watch that one. I've been the sports talk radio has been talking about it, saying it's a much watch. It's got some really cool uh, information, I guess. Or it does, it does, yeah. yeah. It, uh, the director, a guy named Jason Hare, does such a great job with it, um, and um, and narrated by Vince Vaughn, and it's got some mm-hmm. amazing interviews and footage, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun, a departure for me uh, a yeah. little bit, and and that I haven't done that kind of work lately, although. I started my career working in documentaries in New was, York, so that I actually wanted to mention was, uh, "Bigger, Stronger, Faster" because yeah. that was a really good documentary that you worked. Oh, on. Oh, you've seen that? I'm so glad. I, I, mm-hmm. I always recommend that to people because it's. I think it's just such a good, um, such a good film that that I think a lot of people shy away from because they think it's just going to be you know for meatheads. Yeah, you know, and the, the steroids thing kind of. It, it kind of it, it, it's speech. such a polarizing topic, but but it's really it's a really free movie that's really open and honest. And uh, um, uh, actually, the director of that uh, has a new movie out called uh, Prescription Thugs, which is also uh, really good. I didn't work on it, but he's uh, he's a he's a good friend and uh, uh, about sort of about the pharmaceutical industry and how it's it's pandering to uh, to a lot of the same issues. I will have to check uh, so that out for sure. Yeah, is and television work or movie work. What does your preferred form of uh, comp- composition? You know, I mean, this may sound like a cop out, but I, I I like and I'm so blessed to be able to have the variety. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm actually always looking for the variety, so I'm not, I'm not trying to. No, I totally understand you know, that. I was, yeah, you know, sign up for three shows that I'm that are going to call upon me to do the same thing. Right. You know, even though that might be simpler in some ways, um, I would get bored. Mm-hmm. And with with the amount of music that that I write now, you know, just uh, every day and every week, um, I need the new inspirations and new challenges uh, to keep me motivated. Yeah, more than anything else. So it's it's nice and it's it's great to work on something like a documentary. You know, when I've been working on a TV show for months. Uh, just because stylistically it's so very different and, and the, the, the role of music is different. Mm-hmm. And so what you're asked to do is, is different and just requires a whole new kind of creative outlook on it. Um, with the, uh, the Southwestern theme television shows you've worked on and you, you keep the, mm-hmm. the music, to, you know, definitely in that vein is, was that difficult for you to get inspired to write something like that? Is that, more towards your natural sensibilities or like, what do you listen to? Like you have time off. What do you throw on to, to chill out or what's your most inspiring? Kind of music? <laughs> I hate to say it, but because, uh, most of the time, you know, I sp- spend 10, 16 hours a day 
in front of big speakers blasting my ears off. <laughs> uh, most of the time, I don't listen to much in my spare time. It drives my wife crazy when we're in the car because <laughs> I never turn on the radio. <laughs> I'm on talk <laughs> but, radio uh, and podcast mostly myself. Right. So to be honest, I don't listen to much. And when I do get to listen to something, chances are it's it's the choice of my five-year-old. And you can imagine <laughs> uh, that, where that goes. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. I do the same. I feel the same way about um, about engineering and uh, trying to stay with the same thing over and over again. I'm always, you know, look for different projects. Like sometimes I want to do live. Sometimes I want to be in a studio. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to get settled into one thing. And, and working with the same genre would get taxing on the inspiration i guess you become a cover band yourself at one point yeah it does and and the good thing about the cable shows for example is that you know i'll I'll work furiously on better call Saul for two three months uh but then to be honest i don't think about it for six to nine months until it comes back around and that's 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 great because it's you know creatively i get this you know big block of time to go explore other things do other stuff and then when i come back i actually have to re-educate myself about what i had done <laughs> the previous season I, I spend time and i go and listen to all the things that i had done and get back in the vibe and back in the mood and um but that that time off is is i find and i mean everybody's different when it comes to Mm-hmm. creative stuff but i find it to be real helpful yeah some people need to be working constantly and some people need to recharge the batteries i'm more of a recharge yep. the batteries kind of a person myself yeah uh, so do you have any uh, personal projects that you want to promote uh or just what you're working on now is what you're working on now uh no yeah i mean obviously uh the big news the big headline here is that uh better call Saul seasons two starts next week which i can't believe it's been uh it's come up real fast, but uh, yeah, and I'm really actually, excited. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Like, you're actually going to be the first guest with our new theme song. We have uh, Oh, right. Excellent. We were stealing the Junior Brown song. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We don't know what the association <laughs> is with Better Call Saul, if that's just something that he wrote or if it was a promo thing for the show. Do you have an answer to that? I do. I was very much involved in that, actually. Ah. Um, so that was, uh, it, it, you're right. It was, uh, originally created as a, a piece of promotional material for the show, uh, leading up to season one last year. And it was a song that I wrote, uh, the music for along with a, a old friend of mine named Adam Dorn. Oh, nice. Uh, he's a tr- terrific, uh, artist and player. And, uh, the two of us wrote the music to, uh, lyrics that were written by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Wow. And uh, so we had crafted the song, actually, and uh, we weren't sure uh, who we were going to get to perform it. And then um, Vince uh, has had a longstanding relationship with Junior. Nice. Going back, I think, to the X-Files days. Wow. Uh, he, may, he may have appeared. Uh, he does acting work as well and, and has got a tremendously cool voice. Yeah. He's, uh, so, he's a unique uh, so I think, individual, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't quote me on this, but I think he did appear in an X Files episode. That, that and so uh, Vince may have met him that long ago. Oh. And uh, and so uh, yeah, and he very graciously offered to. Uh, he was touring at the time to uh, to come to uh, to L A. and and uh, we recorded him singing and, and playing his uh, his super special guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it came out great. He's uh, he's definitely. Uh, uh, a uh, close connection to our crew and 
uh, an inspiration to us. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that's a good choice. Yep. I think it's a good choice because I use that solo as the outro to the show. And oh, very nice. I, I love the way he plays. I, I saw him at the Grand Ole Opry. I was a senior in high school on a music trip. And uh, mm-hmm. my friend and I locked eyes from across the auditorium. Like, holy shit, what are we watching right now? You know, right. He just yeah. starts blowing your mind. It's Yeah, that's pretty awesome. But <laughs> it doesn't, we were doesn't feeling, get more real than that. We were feeling kind of sketchy about you know using it, and then our show's getting actually pretty popular. So we was like, let's develop our own theme song and kind of keep it with that Southwestern down-home vibe. And uh, this is a mandolin solo Very instead cool. of a, uh, what is it, a Git Steel solo. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, here's a tidbit for you, and, uh, and I'll leave you with this. But mm-hmm. uh, if you check out the end credits music for every episode of Better Call Saul, it's a, a reimagined version of that Junior Brown song. Same theme. Ah. Yes. There you go. I, so, I think I tend to shut it off before we watch the credits. We're usually in a hurry to, <laughs> in a hurry to get recording because we uh, record right away. <laughs> totally understood. <laughs> totally understood. But that's an awesome <laughs> little Easter egg for us. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, thanks it's for joining us. great talking to you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave Porter. Good luck with the show. Uh, you as well. Good luck with everything. Uh, I enjoy your work so far, and I'm hoping to enjoy more of it. And if you ever want to come back on, promote your... Uh, your upcoming project on this or our other podcast. Absolutely. We would love to do that. Sounds great. I would love to. Awesome. Dave Porter, composer for better call Saul. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks Dave. Be sure to follow nothing important online at nothing Find us on iTunes on Twitter at not important PC. And you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing important is recorded with help from third city sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome. Awesome.